Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Thinking about having some poutine with my schnitzel. It's election shock therapy. I'm Chris Moore <laughs> here for the food jokes. Joining me in this podcast uh, phone conversation are Andy Bramson. Hey, Andy. Hey, man. Hey, Chris. Uh, Peter Zinn. <laughs> I'll be the to you. And at the University of South Carolina Aiken, it's Mitchell Crum. How are you doing? Hey Mitchell? there. Um, if, if my really bad dad joke didn't give it away, we're going to spend just a few minutes today filling you in on everything you need to know about the Canadian and German elections. Canada and, United, and Germany, of course, are two very important American allies. They're also two of the most stable and functional Western liberal democracies. And so <laughs> both of them just had a significant election. We want to talk through that, explain what it, why it, what it is, why it matters, why it, maybe it doesn't matter so much, looking at you, Canada. And so, Andy, I'm going to you right away. How is the election in Canada, how is the election system in Canada different from the one in the United States? Well, in short, I mean, like, it's different because you're electing a different kind of government, right? So they have a parliamentary system instead of a presidential system. What does that mean? Yeah, what that means is that you go and you vote for your representative for what the, you know we would call Congress, what they call Parliament, right? Um, the House, of, and and then that person then decide votes for who's going to be the Prime Minister, right? So whoever gets a majority, or in this case a plurality, the most um, seats in the Parliament, they get to choose who the executive will be. So you don't get a direct vote, unlike our election where we can vote directly for Joe Biden or Donald Trump. You can't do that if you're Canadian. You can only vote for a party where then you hope that party would choose the person that you want. Um, and Germany is very similar. I mean, they're also a parliamentary system. Um, so they're also going to have that kind of indirect choice of the prime minister. Um, the big difference between the two cases in terms of uh, Canada and Germany is that Canada's system actually looks a lot like ours. It's all like what we call first past the post. So you have your individual representative, whoever wins the most votes, they don't even have to win half, but the most votes in that district, that person gets to be the representative in parliament. Um, in Germany, you have some seats like that, but you also have the second vote. So you get that first vote like that, and then the second vote, um, you vote for a party list. And so what that means is you can say, I'm going to vote for a party I really like, even if I think they can't win my seat, I'll still vote for that party. And then that party gets representation in the national parliament based on their percentage. And the idea there is that then the, the parliament looks more like what the, the way the people voted. So to put that in Minnesota terms, if, if I was a Minnesota voter in a parliamentary system, I might say, I like Amy Klobuchar. I think she does a good job in the Senate. I'm voting for her, but I'm also kind of a fiscal conservative. And so for my list, I'm going to vote for Republicans. So you might actually get some um, Republican control of, of, the, of the parliament, but you might also put Klobuchar back in the parliament as your representative in your district. Yeah, or even more, more. I mean, because like that would be like the two major parties, and people probably yep. don't fight a lot that way. But the other way you might do it, like you might say, okay, I'm going to vote for Klobuchar because I think she's a good, you know, senator. I want her to keep doing her work. And by the way, like we know, I know that a Republican or a Democrat's going to win that seat, so I got to vote for one of them probably. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really passionate about, right, is legalized marijuana or something like that, right? <laughs> if I'm going to vote for this, the is getting close to home for Andy, by the way. 
Um, this is not actually what I want. But oh, sure, sure. Okay. So, like, people, and people do this even though they don't get the list vote. They'll vote, like, you know, 5% of the vote will go for, like, the marijuana candidates, right? And so those people are like, I'm really now going to vote for that the marijuana candidates because then they'll actually get some representation in Parliament and we can gotcha. get somewhere with this whole ep- effort. Um, and so that's what you get to do in Germany, effectively. Um, so, so as Andy alluded to... Words. As Andy sort of alluded to here, this is what explains why, Mitch, we have a, a greater plurality of of parties in both Canada and in Germany, right? And so this explains how we get away from sort of the two-party system there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, of course, classically known as Deverger's Law, um, which just says that as long as you have a first-past-the-post system where you're just electing one person, whoever gets the most votes wins. Uh, and you've got, you know, single member districts where you're just electing one person, you're, you're going to end up with two parties. And, you know, mm-hmm. Andy's already kind of describe the reasons for that, obviously. But, you know, if you have more than two parties uh, that are vying for a single seat um, in a first-past-the-post system, then that third party is inevitably just going to draw votes away from whichever their closest, uh, you know, whichever person is going to be closest to them ideologically or in terms of policy, which just makes it less likely that somebody in that area wins. And so you make it more likely that the other party wins. People figure that out pretty quick and you end up with two parties. Yeah, except that weirdly, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Canadians just struggle to figure this out. They still end up with multiple parties, even though they have the same system, right? In terms of like the first past the post. They just hate Deverger. Um, they they do apparently hate Deverger, and they really want to prove him wrong. And so you get these really weird outcomes where, like, you know, you'll have these these candidates of the left who have enough votes to win a seat, but they're divided between the New Democratic Party or the kind of their Socialist Party and the Liberal Party. Um, and so you know they they get some strange results up there. Like they they really do still get that plurality of parties, even though. Yeah, they should really have consolidated down to two, but they keep not doing it. But I don't know. I can't explain everything about the Canadians. <laughs> Why doesn't Diverger work in Canada? I'm well, let, let, let's answer another simple question here. So in the United States, we have elections on a very rigid timetable. Yep. Yep. Not the case in parliamentary democracies. Why did Canada and Germany have elections now? Yep. So parliamentary democracies, are, as you rightly say, Chris, are flexible, right? You can have elections early. Um, there's usually an outer boundary, right? Like you, you know, you can't go more than four years or five years without an election, right? And so in both, um, in Germany's case, it's in, and in Canada's case too, I think it's four years. Uh, actually, Canada's, yeah, Canada's also four years. They're both four years. And um, you, so you can't go beyond four years. So Germany's actually, this was their regularly scheduled one. They actually had to have one because they're at the four-year mark. And so their date wasn't set quite like ours. There were a couple of days they could have done it, but they had to do it, you know, within the next couple of months. Um, Canada actually is having theirs two years early. And that was actually a big issue in the campaign. Um, and the big reason behind it seems to be that Justin Trudeau, their current prime minister, um, really, really wanted to have a parliamentary majority. He has a plurality, more seats than anybody else, but not a majority. So not half of the seats in parliament. And that's made it challenging for him to do everything he wants in terms of governance. Um, so he called an election so that he could get a majority. Um, and that, of course, became a big issue because then people are like, you're selfishly calling an election in the middle of a pandemic, just as the case counts are rising. This is a terrible idea. Why did you do this? Um, aren't you putting yourself in your own power before Canada? Um, which is probably not a totally unfair critique. <laughs> yep. So, um, And the funny, I mean, the ironic part about that is, right, kind of jumping to the results, is that the results in Canada were incredibly, incredibly boring, um, which is to say they ended up almost exactly the same. I mean, we are talking about a one to two seat shift for each of the top um, five parties, right? I mean, there are five parties that have representation in the Canadian Parliament. Um, every one of them, like they increased or decreased by one to two seats, and that was it. 
Yep. So as a quick breakdown, Justin Trudeau's liberal uh, Democrats, um, well, the Liberal Party, excuse Liberal me, Party, went, yeah. Liberal Party went from 157 to 159 to gain two. The yep. conservatives went from 121 to 119. They lost two. But yep. this is really small um, compared to, you know, it, it's it's shifting at the margins. Yeah, yep. yep, exactly. And then the New Democrats gained like one. The Bloc Quebecois, which is a regional party, gained one. Greens lost one. You know, yep. I mean, that was that was it. Right. So it was it was incredibly like small kind of movement. Um, and, you know, the Liberal Party won the election in terms of winning the most seats. They actually won a lower percentage of the popular vote than the conservatives. Just So how, how did that happen? How did they get more seats by getting a lower percentage of the vote? Because because you don't have a list, right? Unlike Germany, uh, right? So that would not happen. It's all first past the post in different districts. And so basically what happens is the conservatives have um, a lot of like safe seats out in Western Canada, which is much more conservative than the rest of the country. They run up the score there, right? And so they, they will get a lot of votes, but you don't get any more seats out of them because you're winning these districts by big margins. So it's kind of interesting, actually, like compared to the U.S., right, where U.S., like the, the Republican Party actually has a structural advantage in our system, um, just the way the seats are laid out, um, the way the states are laid out, right? It's easier for the Republican Party to win the Electoral College, to win, you know, seats um, with actually fewer votes, which is how, you know, Donald Trump could get elected in 2016, even though he lost the popular vote by 2%. In Canada, it's actually flipped. Um, and the Liberal Party, their party of the left, actually has an easier time winning even when they when they can lose the popular vote. So it's just it's just kind of the distribution of where people are um, across the ideological spectrum. Okay, so in comparison to Canada, where not much shifted, we got a little bit more play in the German election, right? Yeah, Germany was a lot more interesting. Um, you get uh, the the ruling party, the Christian Democratic Union, and their um, their uh, partner, the Christian Social Union, um, who dominated in the last sixteen years. They've been in government. Um, and they lost a lot of votes. I mean, so they went down from having won about 32% last time, which wasn't great for them, down all the way down to about 24%. Um, mm -hmm. So a pretty significant drop in votes. Their main major party rival, the Social Democrats, actually went up from 20 to 26%. Um, so a pretty solid increase um, and got you know the most the most votes. The Greens had their best turnout ever. Um, the Free Democrats had a pretty good election. Um, the far right-wing party and the far left-wing party both dropped off a bit from last time. Okay, I gotta ask, a lot of people listening to us, this is, you know, we're, we're both broadcasting from Bethlehem yep. University, um, a lot of uh, Christians listening to this podcast. Uh, we don't have a party in the United States that has Christian in the name of the party. Tell me about the Christian Democratic Union, Christian Social Union, the partnership. Yep. How do they end up with Christian in their name? And is that meaningful? Um, I think the short answer is it was. <laughs> like it's less meaningful today um, than it was, you know, a hundred years ago, say. Okay. This goes back to the late 19th century um, when you um, have these movements. You know, people are trying to say, well, how do we solve the problems of the Industrial Revolution? How do we solve like the, the fact that we're getting like these increase in wealth at the top, increasing abuse of workers, right? And so you get the kind of obviously the Marxist, communist, socialist type solution. Okay. But you also have Christians saying, we want to engage this. We want to engage in the democratic process. We want to make things better for people. But we want to do so in a way that's deeply consistent with our faith. Um, and sort of Christian democratic movements came out of this as a way for Christians to engage real social issues, um, but to try to do it in a different way than the socialists, which is why you get, you know, kind of your two big parties in Germany and consistent, you know, um, you know groupings, right, are the Christian Democrats on the right and the Social Democrats on the left. Now, I wish like, the Christian Democrats have become much less, you know, 
deeply aligned with the Christian part of their name. That's their historic name. Um, the Christian Social Union in Bavaria is a little bit more like traditionally Christian and conservative. Um, but it's become much more of just like that's their name historically. They're a kind of center right party. And I would say they're gotcha. really more of a, you know, a generic. So you can think about them more like you would think about the, the, the conservative party in Britain, which does not have Christian in its name. You know, they're really more comparable to that than to any what we would think of as a truly like Christian party in that sense. Are they somewhat um, aligned I mean, with sort of like, um, would they, in terms of in terms of like American parties? Like, would you imagine them being like more along the lines of like what people sometimes argue is sort of like socially conservative but economically more liberal, or are they just more conservative in general? I would say more conservative in general, but if anything, they've actually gone the other way, where it's like they've they've got become less morally conservative over time, right? I mean, I think there's still very much that moral conservative strand, but it's, it's, it's much fainter in Germany than it is in the United States. Um, and again, more so with the Christian social union than with the, the Christian Democrats. Um, but it would be more like on the economic conservative side. Um, but it's, again, like they're, they're both, you know, they're, they're a governing party. They have worked with the social Democrats. They have worked with the free Democrats. Like they've worked with a variety of actors. So I don't know. They're, they're not, a, a super ideological party at this point, in all honesty. I mean, they're still, I think, center-right, but it's center-right. <laughs> I want to pick up a word that Annie just said there, which is a governing party. Yeah. There are, in parliamentary democracies, where we have multiple parties to choose from, some parties, because of their size or because they're, of their amenability to being in coalitions, yep. are better at forming governing bodies, meaning yep. they end up in government, whereas other parties don't often end up in government. For example... Yep. In the German uh, election, 10% of the uh, um, vote went for the AFD, the Alternative for Germany Party, which is a far-right nationalist party. That group is not used to being in government because most other parties view them as too right-wing, too ultra-nationalist, in some cases anti-Semitic. And yeah. so they're regularly not part of governance. And so although 10% of Germans vote for them, they're not showing up in any likely negotiations for a German government. Yeah, exactly. No, they've, in fact, other parties have explicitly said, we're not working with these people, right? Um, and the, similarly on the left, I mean, no one's quite put that level of prohibition on Delink, the left-wing party, which kind of came out of Ger East German communism, but mm -hmm. they also have never been in government, right? Whereas Christian Democrats have been in the government about five-sevenths of the time um, since yep. the you know, kind of foundation of this republic in 1949. So, okay. so, so let's take that, let's do the math here. So you take, take away 10% roughly for the AFD, which I would note is a decrease in the amount of vote they got from the last election, which they, I think they got 12%. Yep. Uh, yep. You take away another 5% for the, for the, for De Lenka, yep. um, and you're really left about 85% of the total vote, out of which you need to craft a 50% majority yep. to form a governing coalition. This is going to be hard math hard. for these parties to negotiate. What are the chances we get a grand coalition between the social Democrats and the Christian Democrats? Yeah, that's a hard question because, I mean, on the one hand, it, they should be poor because they both have said, we absolutely do not want to do this. However, if your um, historical memory goes back four years, you might recall that, in fact, four years ago, they said, we absolutely do not want to do this. And what we have right now is a grand coalition between the Christian Democrats and the social Democrats. So Germany has a pretty cooperative politics. They do try to figure out a way to kind of pragmatically govern. And so at least so far, I mean, both parties have ultimately been willing to say, OK, fine, if this is the only way we get a government together, we'll, we'll take one for the team. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's it's possible. I think the more likely scenario seems to be 
that, you know, you get the free Democrats and the Greens figuring out some way to work together enough um, that they get back in government. They've both been out for a bit um, and that they band with one of the two major parties. I would say slightly more likely that's the Social Democrats, just given the fact that, you know, the Social Democrats are perceived as having won. They increased their vote share. Christian Democrats lost it. Um, so, you know, if I had to predict right now, I would say, you know, social Democrats, free Democrats and greens figure out something, but it's a hard alignment. I mean, there's a lot of tensions within that. And in some ways the Christian Democrats are easier partners. So, you know, that's what they're sitting there saying like, Hey guys, don't forget about us. We are very good at this whole governing thing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. And I think it takes, you know, I think it'll take at least a couple of months, if not longer to figure so it out. What- so what happens if nobody can actually form a government? What happens? Welcome then? to Israel. Yeah, well, <laughs> Israel is really extreme. <laughs> um, you know, that is, it's weirdly not been an issue in Germany. Like, they always seem to figure it out. They're very pragmatic. Uh, if they didn't, eventually you'd have to go to an election. But so far, they always, like, suck it up and, like, somebody takes one and says, okay, fine, I'll be the junior partner in the coalition, right? <laughs> um, I mean, because it is really quite shocking when you think about, it, like, having grand coalitions. It's the equivalent of, like, Republicans and Democrats saying, okay, fine, we'll work together and govern. Like, you're like, wow, how do you do that? I mean, like, that's that's pretty amazing, right? But it tells something about kind of the ways the Germans think pragmatically about politics. It's a lot less, like, intensely ideological um, in terms of the governing parties. So well, maybe they'll figure it out, but it'll take a while. Yeah. And maybe even more, I mean, in some ways, even though it feels like distant history at this point in some ways, but like even the way American politics was as, you know, as close as three or four decades ago, um, you know, there was a lot of overarching stuff in the 60s, 70s, 50s. You know, you go back and the parties wasn't infrequent at all to see the parties working together on major legislation. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. There was always a distinction between who was actually governing, but you're right. The cooperativeness was much more there for us. Um, and the Germans are experiencing that polarization. I mean, you get the far right and far left parties. Um, you get the rise of groups like the Greens. But, um, you know, but there's still like, yeah, there's that, that long sense of like kind of knowing how to work together in coalitions. I think one of the things that's going to make this one challenging is it's going to be very difficult to have a two-party coalition this time. You're really looking at three. And and throughout the history of the, the German Republic since 49, they've always had two-party coalitions, but never three. Three is trickier. I mean, it just it creates a whole other dynamic. In theory, if you did another grand coalition, you could get away with two, but just barely. So we're probably looking at three, and I think that's why you know I think that's why I think the negotiations will take a while to figure out who gets what, who has to what. What do you have to give up? What are you not going to get that you really thought was very important? Um, <laughs> that's going to be some hatching out. So we'll see. And I think that raises the question. So imagine you're the Social Democrats, and you need to get the yeah. Greens and the FDP, the Free Democratic Party, yeah. on board. You need to try to get those two junior partners to your coalition to play nice with each other. Yeah. And there's no clear indication that either one of them has an interest in doing so because the more recalcitrant they are, the more likely they are to get concessions from you to mm-hmm. join join well, right? It's like, yeah. uh, like a parent with two kids who's trying mm-hmm. to get both kids to play nice. Both kids have an interest in not being nice to each other to try to extract more concessions from the parent. Yeah, except that they do ultimately have to, like if they're going to all three be together, they have to ultimately be able to work together. So it was interesting, like the Free Democratic leader did say, you said, maybe we should talk to the Greens first. I mean, usually it's the big parties that, you know, sort of determine how this goes, but maybe we should talk to the Greens and figure out how we're going to work together and then how we're going to, you know, who we want to partner with. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this this um, this round goes. I mean, the other interesting dynamic here, you know, is that the Social Democratic leader um, who, you know, is currently the, the deputy prime minister in the Grand Coalition. And in some ways, he was actually seen as like the continuity candidate, the guy who like, you know, will continue on Merkel's legacy, which is ironic. I mean, it's like, 
you know, you imagine a scenario, right, in which you have a Democratic president in our country retiring and you see like the, the logical heir to this person is the Republican. And you think like, that's really weird, right? But that's really what you had here is people thinking like he's kind of, if we want a safe hand at the till, you know, at the tiller who's like going to just keep keep us going in the, a good direction, Olaf Schultz is kind of the guy. Um, yep. So it's a funny, like, it's a funny dynamic um, in terms of like how they think about this ideologically. Um, one other thing, I'm familiar enough with American politics to know that the reason why the Green Party has never had success in the United States is because anytime people start to yeah. become motivated by Green Party issues, particularly yeah. environmentalism, one of the two major parties, in this case, typically the Democrats, will yeah. pick up those issues and incorporate them into their platform. Right. In the contrast, both the Canadians and the Germans have Green Parties. Now, I'm just noting here that the Green Party in Canada did worse in this election than previously. Only by a little bit, though. Whereas the Greens did exceptionally better in Germany. Anything to make of that, or is that just idiosyncratic? I think that has more to do with the, the electoral system. Um, I think because in, in Germany, again, like the Greens, if you get above 5%, you're going to get representation in Parliament based on your percentage of the vote. In Canada, it's still first past the post. It's like our system. And so that Duverger's law that Mitch was pointing us to comes back into play here. A lot of the Green candidates, you might like your Green candidate, but realistically, the Liberal or the New Democrat, your other two kind of more on the left options, are much more likely to win. So who do you vote for? Right. And and that's part of it. I mean, the other thing is the Greens just have had trouble in general breaking through in Canada beyond more than a couple seats. They have a couple of places they win. And beyond those, it's just been really hard for them to to get the numbers. And people are starting to acknowledge that and saying, like, I want to cast a left wing vote. The liberals and the new, new Democrats are better options. Gotcha. Andy? One thing that I think is oh, please, interesting Mitch. to think about um, with, you know, with regards to these things is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, we here in America, we always sort of worry and or, or gripe or complain or whatever uh, about our own electoral system um, oh, yeah. and sort of the problems with it. I mean, I know we've alluded to some of them already, sort of the inequalities in terms of representation from the Senate or the Electoral mm -hmm. College, things like right. that. Um, but nonetheless, right, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, one of the things, even though I'm not a comparativist, one of the things that I always take away from from these kinds of discussions is just that, you know, there is no sort of like perfect electoral system, you know, right. electoral right. systems all advantage some people over others. Yep. And there's no sort of way to sort of like have the perfect yep. system. It's the yeah. rules are always going to do something. Right. Right. And I, and I think that's, that's right. Mitch. And like the, the thing I'd add to that is like, so I love Germany's in one sense, right? Because it really reflects how the people voted and your representation in parliament does that. Right. And that's, and that is in one sense, great. And in another sense, it makes it really hard to govern because you get fragmentation, right? You get these multiple parties who are winning blocks of seats, and now they have to figure out how to work together, right? And if you didn't have a culture like they do in Germany, a political culture of saying, well, we we know how to cooperate and we're willing to, you know, to sort of accept that we're not going to get everything we want, this will be much, much worse um, to go back to the, you know, the Israel illusion earlier, right? This is becoming an increasingly increasing problem for Israel. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's trade-offs, like it's more representative, but it's also harder to govern in some ways. So, yeah, all electoral systems have their flaws. And if you have deep divisions in the country, those are going to create challenges for government, right? Um, we didn't get into it with Canada, but you also have the regional party, the Bloc Québécois, that re you know, represents French Canadian interests and basically just sits there and does their thing, never joins government, never really <laughs> cooperates with <laughs> anyone other than when they feel like it on particular issues. Um, that creates a whole other like, layer with Canadian politics that is, I think, challenging. I mean, the Liberals would have a much easier time winning a majority if it wasn't for the Bloc sitting on 33 seats, right? So, yeah. Well, guys, this has been super helpful to explicate both the Canadian and German elections. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've got some uh, your questions answered. If you still have questions, reach out to us. 
We're at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions on this issue or others are coming down the pipe. Stay tuned next week when we uh, show up with our longer edition podcast, in this case, a discussion about polarization. I'm excited about that. But since it's a conversation about polarization, I'm sure Professor Bramson isn't. Uh, so thanks for listening to us. Uh, get a hold of us at, our, at the website I just mentioned or the email address I just mentioned. You can also uh, subscribe to our channel channel 3900. You can reach out to the channel at channel 3900 at gmail.com. Lots of great stuff coming up on the channel, including uh, the finale of Avatar with Academics. We've got bookstore. We've got lots of things in the hopper. Thanks for listening. And until we're back in your feed again, go Royals. Go Royals.